welcome back to Season 1 of Story Sonic, the universe of infinite possibility. In the universe of infinite possibility, anything can and will happen. These stories tell the tales of the worlds in this universe. Now join me in this week's story, The Witch of Hogswallow. Smoke rose from a lamp on the desk of Samra Lestwind in a thick black plume. It filled the small room with the acrid smell of burning animal fat. She often wondered if the lamp was more trouble than it was worth. The dark, pervasive smoke caused the corners of the room to disappear, leaving only the desk and Samra's work illuminated. The lamp spat and sputtered, sending a hot, liquid grease spattering onto the racks of glass vials, staining their small parchment labels. Samra reached over and moved the lamp to the far side of the desk, away from the vials. She sighed. The city mages didn't have to deal with this environment. They worked in huge laboratories lit by solar wells, huge receptacles that stored the light of the sun for the times when it was not in the sky. Samra grimaced and set her eyes back to her work. One day she would have that luxury. One day, all her hard work toiling over her research and calculations would reward her with a placement in the mages' guild. She watched as her own blood dripped slowly through the translucent tube she had inserted into her arm. She gently squeezed the rubber ball in her hand, ensuring that the blood flow was constant. There were few things that derailed magical acts like improperly gathered components. With the vial full, she removed the tube, hastily covering her incision with a quick turn of a cloth bandage. She would have time to properly close the wound later. With a deft, practiced hand, she grabbed her silver pen and a slim parchment label and scrawled, Five drams, seventh moon, fort day, ten of the night, thirteen minutes past. She brushed the back of the parchment with an adhesive distilled from the hooves of a horse and carefully wrapped it around the small glass vial. She then swiftly corked the vial and dipped the top into the heated wax beside the lamp to seal it. She placed it in the rack on the wall with an assortment of glass vials, some filled with blood, some with plant matter, and some with substances unidentifiable to the lay. All were labeled with their amount, date, and time. There was nothing more crucial to magic than the timing of the components. In the early days of her spellcrafting, Samra had tried some spells from the ancient scrolls she had found in the back of the library. It was nothing serious, just a simple metal-to-metal -metal transmutation. But the spell had called for newt blood harvested during the new moon. Samra had not wanted to wait for the new moon. The resulting fire cost her two months of floor scrubbing at the foundling home, where she had gone after the death of her parents. She had learned her lesson and from that day forward, she followed every spell to the letter. She devoured the texts, both ancient and modern, that talked about the wonders that had been achieved with magic. One could heal the sick, produce flame on command, make objects move on their own, and some said you could even raise the dead. But Samra was not that kind of magician. The bell on the door of the apothecary rang, and Samra quickly blew out the lamp, turning from her desk and walking through a curtain into the shop proper. She came out behind a counter absolutely covered in jars, bottles, small bags, and chests, with only a small area of the counter exposed at which she could check out the paying customer. 
the cool spring sun danced through the window, glinting off the shelves of endless ingredients. Moss from a fallen yew, picked just before the last frost, sat in a jar the size of her head next to a locked chest which contained the last crab of the summer, ornery and, if she guessed correctly, very hungry. There were baskets of barks peeled from new growth and old, bottles of water from every spring between hilltop and creek end, and herbs hanging from the ceiling in various states of drying. Samra squinted through the sunlight, partially blind after the darkness of the back room. The shape she saw silhouetted in the door was small. As her eyes adjusted to the light, she recognized the child as the parson's eldest daughter, Moira. Good morning, miss. Welcome to Altric's apothecary. What can I get for you? Samra tried her best to put on a warm smile. The child inched closer to the counter, carefully avoiding the barrels of beetles and glancing over her shoulder. Samra sighed. She knew that the people of Hogswalla were still as wary as ever of the apothecary. While magic was common in the larger cities, here in this small village, it was still viewed in a dark light. Samra couldn't blame them. Most of the smaller homesteads in the nation were still under the tight grip of the Church of Ogthrom, a rigid group of monotheists who believed that only members of the priesthood should perform the seeming miracles offered by the city mages. However, in the past decade, a virulent sickness had spread its course from town to town, slowly eating its victims from the inside out. The priests had had no luck healing the sick with their prayers, and the townspeople had begun to slowly lose faith in the church and their all-powerful god. Yet although the church no longer had full control over the citizens, their sermons of fear of the dark magics still placed doubt in the minds of many. Samra could see around the neck of the parson girl a star-shaped pendant, a symbol of the church. The young girl finally reached the counter. Samra could see streaks in the dirt on the child's face where tears had left their tracks. Please, miss. Me mom's very sick. She wasn't able to leave the bed since last Thursday. Pop has been worried. We tried to talk to the priests, but they won't come to the house even. I think they're scared mom will get them sick. But Letty Marner told me that her mom got sick too, and that her papa come to you, and that in less than a day her mom was back up and like she was not even sick just the day before. Please, miss, I just want to help me, mom. Samra smiled at the young girl. She couldn't be more than eleven, the same age Samra had been when she had lost her parents. She took out a pen, ink, and a piece of parchment. Can you tell me what her symptoms are? The young girl shuffled her feet and looked down. Symptoms, miss? It was clear she did not know the word. Yes, what kind of sick is she? Is she sweating? Has she been able to urinate? Any sudden bruising? Things like that. Tears welled up in the child's eyes. Samra's heart went out to her. She knew what it was like, watching sickness eat away at a parent. It was the reason she had started experimenting with magic in the first place. She had watched the wasting sickness devour her mother and father in the course of a day. She had not even had the chance to seek out any help before she found them wrapped in each other's arms, their bodies merely dried out husks. She shivered at the memory. She spoke, gently, yet firmly. I can help, but I need to know what kind of sickness she has. If I try to treat a sickness she doesn't have, it could make her even more sick. Can you tell me what kind of sick she is? Samra smiled an encouraging smile. The little girl hiccuped and wiped her tears on her sleeves, smudging the dirt on her cheeks. She won't eat, miss. Only soup and only once a day when she does. She's been coughing too, miss. Big chunks, yellow and green. She says it's like something sitting on her chest, miss, like... The girl looked over her shoulder and lowered her voice. Samra leaned in close. Like there's a demon on her, miss. Samra almost laughed, but, seeing the look of absolute terror in the girl's eyes, she held back. Instead, she indicated for the girl to sit on the single spindly chair in the room, and whisked out from behind the counter. There hadn't been demons in this part of the country for nearly two hundred years. The mages in the capital city of Orhelm had cast a massive protective spell which enveloped all of the lands under the rule of the Sun King. They had cast out the demons, returning them to their otherworldly home. 
and no true demon had been seen since. The Church of Ogthrom, however, often spread rumors that demons were still about. If there was a sickness they could not heal, or a bout of crime they could not explain, it was often blamed on demons. In little towns like Hogswallow, where the church was still strong and the hands of the city mages had not yet reached, it was common for people to believe that they had fallen victim to a demon. The parson mother, Samra knew, however, had a relatively simple sickness of the lungs. She bustled through the narrow space between the shelves, here and there grabbing pieces she would need for the potion. Moira was staring at her wide-eyed as she returned to the counter. She pulled out a mortar and pestle and ground the ingredients together. A dash of golden root for inflammation, menthol for the cough, Lavin's tears for the pain, honey for sweetness and the soreness of the throat. Lastly, she took out a clean silver pen and a bottle of her own meticulously extracted and labeled blood. She removed the seal and dipped her pen into the red liquid. On a thin piece of parchment, she scribed four ancient words to call forth the innate power of the ingredients in the potion. She breathed deeply as she wrote, feeling the connection between herself and her blood, between the components and their healing power. Her hair rose in place. As if lifted by an invisible hand, the room was oppressed with an overwhelming silence, and the light from the sun seemed to fade. In an instant it was gone. Her hair fell limp, and the sun returned, the chirping of birds filling the silent void. The parson girl's mouth was agape. Samra smiled as she took a match and burned the piece of parchment, letting the ash fall into the mortar. She mixed the thick paste with spring water from the last full moon until it formed a syrup. This she bottled, corked, and sealed. On another piece of parchment, she wrote down the instructions. Now you must tell your mom to drink a spoonful of this every hour until it is gone. This will help her cough the sickness out. It will seem like it's getting worse for the first few hours, but she will notice less and less green and yellow spit. By tomorrow night, she will be back to normal. Samra held out the bottle to the child, whose face was wet with tears again. Oh, thank you, miss. I can't tell you how ever so grateful I am. We are. If there's anything we can do for you, we're forever in your debt. With that, the little girl pulled out a small pouch and set it on the counter, and bolted out the door, bottle held close to her heart. Samra slumped down onto the counter as the door closed. She was suddenly exhausted, sweat staining her hair. She forgot how much energy it took to do even a small spell. Only then did she remember the bandage under her left sleeve. She dragged herself to the door, locking it and dampening the lamp head. She slowly worked her way to the back room, sinking into a soft chair, sipping a tincture to promote healing. Her eyelids grew heavy. The darkness of the room called to her, and she answered, falling quickly to sleep. She woke to a loud banging and shouting coming from the front door. She bolted up from her chair and reeled, taking a second to regain her balance. As she stumbled through the curtain and around the counter, she could make out the words the person was shouting between the banging. Sam! Open up, Sam! It's Marco! I've got news! She fumbled with the lock for a moment. Marco burst through the door no sooner than it was open enough to squeeze his boot. His round face was filled with an earnest smile, gleaming brightly through his dark beard. He swept Samra up in a brisk hug, lifting her slightly before quickly setting her down, shutting the door behind him. Samra's head spun with the sudden, reeling energy of Marco's entrance. The world swam in front of her eyes. The last thing she saw before her eyes rolled back was Marco's joyous face falling to sudden worry. When her eyes would finally lift, she awoke in her bed. Marco must have carried her. She coughed and the door eased open, revealing a round, tanned face with a bushy black beard. He slid into the room, carrying a tray with a kettle, tea glasses, and a bowl of soup. She must have been out for some time, she thought, as she gazed through the window into the setting sun. She let out a deep breath. She thought she had gotten past this. Just last week, she had been able to do two spells a day, feeling no more hardly work than had she spent a day in the fields. She pushed herself up on her elbows as Marco set the tray down on the side table and poured the tea. 
She swung her legs over the side of the bed, gulping down the hot tea. Careful now, Sam, that's hot. She swallowed a mouthful of tea and finished the rest of the cup. She set her glass down roughly. Marco, you know that the oak root tea extract must be drank while the tannins are heated for the best acquisition of the nutrients. The hotter the better is what the Rheinfeld Almanac says. She started in on the soup as Marco sipped his own tea gingerly. And you know, Miss Lestwin, that the Hirschner Codex refuted the claims made in the Rheinfeld Almanac, revealing that it was only necessary for the tannins to be heated once to receive their full benefit, and did not need to be held at sustained heat. You simply do it to get on my nerves. Samra smiled through a spoonful of stew. He was right. She shook her head and ran her hands through her hair. All right, Marco, what's all this about? You said something about news? Marco's face exploded again into a shimmering grin. You won't believe this, Sam. I just got back from Orhelm. The Mage Guild had an opening. Corner, my friend at the university there, clued me in on it. He knew I was friends with a budding mage. I put your name down. You've got an interview next Thursday. Samra set down the empty bowl and gripped the edge of the bed. She almost felt like she might pass out again. The Mage's Guild. She had been studying on her own for almost ten years. She finally had the opportunity to learn under real, tried-and-true city mages, and if she was lucky to get an apprenticeship, one day she too could join their illustrious ranks. She leapt into Marco's arms, nearly knocking the tea glass out of his hand. Marco, that's wonderful! I can't believe it! I owe you everything! She stepped back and pulled the small pouch from the parson girl from her pocket. Inside, she found a small gold ring with a deep red stone. Samra smiled and slid it onto her smallest finger for good luck. One good turn deserves another, she thought to herself, and turned to grab her travel sack. It was a long way to Orhelm. Thank you for listening to Story Sodic, an episodic storytelling podcast focused on exploratory world-building through character growth. This story was written and narrated by me, Max Nolan Young. Special thanks to Angel Wing at Excel Music Publishing for the use of our theme song, The Nymphaeum Part 5. You can find new episodes of Story Sodic vs. Extreme and True Combo on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We don't pay for any advertising, and word of mouth is the best way for our stories to reach new ears. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at StorySodic. That's Story, S-O-D-I-C. Thanks for exploring with us, and be safe out there. Brought to you by Dryer Sock Productions. Pop that pizza pie in the oven, baby. We're about to start a podcast.